this story. The story was told of a small resort along, area along the East Coast that was having an open town meeting concerning some financial problems that they were facing. Among the two dozen or so people was a man no one seemed to know. and He was apparently visiting the area and it just dropped in on the meeting. He started to make a comment as various projects were considered, but he was interrupted. So for the rest of the time, he kept still, and finally he left early. And just when he went out, someone arriving late came in and said breathlessly, what was he doing here? Is he going to help us out? And the rest of them said, who are you talking about? Who was that man? The person who arrived said, you don't know who he was? That was John D. Rockefeller. You think he could have helped out that small town in their financial crisis? I think so. That little town missed a great opportunity that night, didn't they? Question for you guys this morning. Can you think back in a time when you can say, man, I missed that opportunity. I missed that moment in time. I think we can all relate to that. We can all look back. Maybe not in the grand scale like that town and the change that it would have brought if they had realized who he was that day. But man, if I had known now what I know then, I would have done that different. I have some moments like that, and I can certainly relate to that. I would have invested in that, maybe, is something. I would have applied for that job that I didn't think I could get. I would have taken the trip. To always take the trip, guys. Always take the trip. It's always worth it. But I would have made space for it, right? There are times in our lives we just don't feel like we have space. Some missed opportunities are the things we kick ourselves for later on. Years down the line, we don't realize what a big deal it was until the moment it happens when we realize it. So this morning, we are going to continue our series, Missing Christmas. We've heard how Joseph was actually going to divorce Mary before he realized that what he looked, uh, looked at as the problem was actually God's plan for all of humanity. Last week, Pastor Renee spoke about the religious leaders who were so busy and scattered running around doing religious things that they almost missed Jesus. And that religious things, um, they're not always the right things, the way that we think they are sometimes, right? So this morning, we're going to keep going in the series, and we're going to take some time to talk about a person who um, is in the story who missed the opportunity to partner with the divine story. And that person is the innkeeper. The innkeeper of the story. So we're going to turn to Luke, book of Luke, chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7 this morning. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen behind me. So it says, about that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census that Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the hostel or the inn. So we read that passage, especially the last two verses. It says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, right? So we jump straight from the fact that she was ready to have a baby, and all of a sudden Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a trough, in a manger. So do we miss something here? What we, it seems like we're missing part of the story. As you read it, it's like, wait a second, how did we just kind of jump, right? 
we assumed that there was an encounter with someone, an innkeeper perhaps that rerouted Mary and Joseph to a stable. That's how we've always read the story. But the truth is there's not much information about the innkeeper in the story. And actually the innkeeper isn't even mentioned. It's just the inn or just the room. So some would suggest that Mary and Joseph actually arrived at a relative's home, um, seeking the lodging to stay for the night in the guest room. It's also suggested that they probably didn't travel alone as there were tons of people going to Bethlehem that, that day, that time, that they were probably with other friends or even perhaps other family members. So we don't really know. So if you look, uh, what I found interesting, and I wish I had a picture of it for you this morning, but if you look at a floor plan from the homes back in that day, it's very interesting because the main part of the house was actually upstairs and it was almost like a loft that was there. And the livestock and the, um, the stables were actually downstairs and they were often connected to the homes because the livestock were a huge part of their livelihood and so they had to keep it close. They didn't want to take a chance of any person or thing getting to what they relied on so heavily. And so... We truly don't know all of what it looked like when they showed up at that inn, per se. But we get an idea of what it could have looked like. You know, could have been a relative's home. Maybe they just had a guest room. The guest room was full. You know, it's hard to know exactly because there's not a lot of information there for us. And I'm sure there were several inns or houses that were needed in that day to house so many people coming from all different areas back to their hometowns with the census and all the commotion, there would have been many different places needed. I can't even imagine the chaos and the, the crazy that it was. Though we can't say exactly who it was that turned Mary and Joseph away. We can agree that their life was too full and they were so focused on what they couldn't do in that moment that they couldn't be bothered to make room for a young pregnant woman who was about to give birth. It appears... Uh, the way that I read the story, just because it jumps so quickly, is that it appears that he didn't even, like, take a moment to assess the situation. It's kind of like, I picture it as, like, he got the knock on the door, you know. He opened it kind of in a fluster, maybe, and was like, I don't have any room. There's a stable over in the back. Just please, just go. Leave me alone. I don't have time for this, you know. And that was it. And the funny thing is, if you could imagine with me for a moment the advertisement this guy would have gotten if he said yes. Can you imagine? The slogans, like, even the savior of the world says it's number one, right? He could have broadcasted it all over Bethlehem. People would have loved him. Five-star rating from the king of kings. He would have been Bethlehem's most famous innkeeper if he had said yes. It could have been great. But instead, there was no offer to help at all. And it wasn't customary in that day to send a woman away to go give birth without offering help. I just think that's so bizarre to me. You know, they were not left alone to give birth. He could have offered her a spot in the living room. Maybe it wouldn't have been the most private situation, but I feel like it would have been better than the stable. Maybe. Instead, they were shuffled off to the stable of some sorts. What was the stable? We don't know. Four poles, maybe a roof. Did it have dirt? Was there hay on the floor? We don't really know. We don't know. Um, was it connected to the main house? Did they have to walk a little bit? I don't know any of that information this morning. If you do, you can fill me in later. I don't have that information. But the innkeeper could have been a part of history, but he couldn't be bothered that day. He just couldn't be bothered. His inn was full, but so was his life. Other things, maybe his business, looking after the inn and that guest room, caring for the needs of the people that he was housing, maybe, um, came first. 
maybe he was exhausted. Anybody here exhausted? It's been a busy season. There's just so much going on. Maybe he's exhausted. Maybe he actually had family in town as well, right? With everybody coming that way, maybe his house was just full. Maybe people have been knocking on his door all day long for a room, and he had turned person after person after person away. And he was frustrated by the time Mary and Joseph got there. We don't, we don't know. But he didn't allow himself to go outside of his bubble and outside of his circle that day to make place for the king. In his defense, I don't think he knew he was saying no to a king. I don't think he knew what he was saying no to that evening or that day when he got the knock on his door. And I'm sure he had heard the prophecies of a long-awaited miracle, this king that was coming, but I don't think, maybe he didn't have an understanding that it was going to come in the form of a pregnant, possible teenager and, a, and her fiancé that would knock at his door. He just didn't know that he would be a part of it or have the opportunity to be a part of it. As I looked at the story of the said innkeeper that we assume, I have to say that I think we now in 2021 have a lot more in common with this guy than what we don't. Because I don't know about you, but my life is full. My life is pretty full. Anybody else feel that way? You feel like, man, I just could not make room for one more thing. And I think that that's that's how, um, that's what we take from him, you know? Like, my life's full. I work full-time. I'm raising a family. I've got two teenagers at home. You know, you're trying to have friendships and make time for other relationships. Um, you have extracurriculars, play soccer or whatever, right? Drive. If you guys went to my house on the uh, Memorial Day in, up in the mountains, you know we drive a lot. We live in Pine Valley, so we are on the road constantly. And these aren't bad things that we can fill our life with, Right? But they're things that just make it really full all the time. They're just things that we just, oh, you know. And I go, as I go along in my life and as I prepared for this, you know, I found myself having to ask the question to check my own heart, right? Like, am I setting aside the God things for the things that can just fill my time and just fill my life with more and more stuff and, and just, you know, take away? I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. Is your life too full? Are there things that can be moved? Are there things that can be uh, reassessed, if you will, to make space for a king, to make space for who he wants to be in your life? You know, is your life so full of good things, family, of friends, of work, and all the extra things that we have that you don't have room for him? Could we miss him? Could you miss him this season? Right? Have we actually said no to him and didn't realize we said no to a king? You see, I think it's easy for us sometimes to miss the miracle that's literally knocking on our door because we can't imagine that it would come in that package. We can't imagine that it's coming to us in, in that way. And so we say no to it. We see uh, throughout scripture the different accounts of miracles that happen. And I'm not going to go through all, all of them today. But we see the healings of, of the blind man. We see uh, the feeding of the 5,000. We see the woman with the issue of blood, and that's one of my favorite stories because Jesus was on his way to uh, minister and to heal somebody else, and he was walking through a crowd, of uh, congested crowd, and he, I'm sure he was very focused, I'm sure he was very busy, and his day was full, but he, when he felt her touch his robe, he actually stopped and he turned and he looked for her, and he didn't leave that situation until he found her, and he actually had an encounter with her, and he touched her. 
And see, miracles like that could have been missed. Even in scripture, they could have been missed because people could have been overlooked because Jesus and the disciples were just too busy and their lives too full going from one stop to the next and one ministry opportunity to the next. And they could have missed those moments with people. And the innkeeper missed an opportunity that day to meet Mary's needs. They were basic needs. They were just basic physical human needs that day. She was ready to give birth to a long-awaited king, a miracle, a true miracle. And he said no. He said no. How often do we say no? And we don't even realize we've said no to that thing that God's put in front of us. Matthew 25 Verse 40 says, the king will answer and say to them, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, to the extent that you did it for one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it for me. Guys, when you took time for one, you took time for him. When you stopped what you were doing, when you looked for the opportunity, you actually did it for Jesus. You actually did it to him, the scripture said. Mary really could have used the kind word that night. It doesn't appear she got it. Maybe she could have used a warm blanket. She didn't get that either, right? She didn't get it either. And I have to, I have a lot of questions this morning. Are we in this Christmas season meeting the needs of those around us? Or are we shuffling through the season and going through the motions? And I ask you these questions because this is what I ask myself on the daily. Um, in Luke 10, we read the account of the two sisters, Mary and Martha. The very familiar story. We're going to go ahead and read the passage out of Luke 10 and verse 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Oh, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary chose the better thing. And in this season, are we being Mary or are we being Martha? Is what I want to ask you. You know, are we taking the time to sit at the feet of Jesus in this Christmas season and lean close into him? Or are we running around like crazy people trying to just get things done. And I know I asked the question, felt like your life was full. of Maybe you feel like your life, you're drowning in your life because it's so full. We can still glean from this because Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Are we taking the time in the season, even if life is full and we're handling it, or if we are being drowned by the things around us, to make time for the presence to sit at his feet, to lean in, to know he's near, to know that he hasn't gone far, or are we distracting ourselves with the millions of things that come with the holiday season? Mary chose what was better. She chose what was better. There's a pastor, uh, Brian Orm. He's a friend of this house. We've seen him many times here. And he, has, he says this, God is spirit, thus we need to be spirit conscious in order to become more aware of his presence. This changes the way we respond to life. Higher consciousness is Christ consciousness. It is a letting go, a yielding, a rest that focuses on union. Are we focused on our union this morning with Jesus, or are we going through motions? Are we taking time 
to be close with him. Being union focused will always present us with opportunities to partner with heaven's purpose. It will always lead us in that direction. Being union focused will always present us with opportunities to partner with heaven's purpose. In the story of the sisters, Mary and Martha, Mary was focused on her union with him. And as she sat at his feet, she wasn't missing her opportunity to be close to the king. And I think in this season, our intentions can be great. We have intentions to um, get things done, to you know, bless people and all those things, right? We're making sure we don't miss the details of Christmas. Some of, have, some of us have traditions and schedules and you know, all the things, right? But we've all heard this before, and it says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I'm not saying don't do your traditions. I'm not saying don't go to the Christmas concert. Like, do those things. Do those things because they are important. But don't let those things overshadow the king in the season. Right? Like, everything in balance. Everything knows its place. And it all yields to the king. Good intentions don't always equal God's intentions. You have to remember that. I can have the best of intentions, but if they're not aligning with what God is doing in that moment, they really don't mean much. So our good intentions don't equal God's intentions. So be intentional. My charge to you is be intentional for heaven, uh, for heaven's assignments in the season. Look for them. Look for the one, right? Like, I think that as we shop and we go about our business, sometimes it's easy to pinpoint the one right? We're coming out of the store and we see that person outside just asking for some, some spare change. That's a, a need that we can see and we can, oh, I see that person. I see that one. And we take care of it in the moment. But maybe there are others that have to, um, we have to look a, a little harder to find, right? It could be a coworker. It could be a friend that is, you know, um, they're smiling on the outside, but behind their closed doors of their office or their home, they're truly broken. And we have to look a little harder to search for the one person and to find that opportunity to help them encounter the king this Christmas season. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 says, As has been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Seize your opportunities. Take them, take them this Christmas season to listen for his voice. You're out shopping, you're working, you're trying to keep the schedule, you're trying to keep all the traditions. Stop and pause. Stop and pause. Listen for what he's saying to you. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him for salvation while he is near. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of another season where he is much closer, where he is much more accessible, because Christmas is all about him. In every on every corner, every turn that we take, Christmas is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So what better opportunity, what better way to introduce him to those around us, right? Um, a lot of us have friendships, we have opportunities to be that conduit, right, that leads people to Christ, that leads uh, them to him. And often, I don't think that we see it that way. We're just having a good time. We're just hanging out. We're just going to go grab coffee, whatever, right? Like, I just work with them. Not a big deal. But we don't realize that we've been placed in that position to bring them to him. Why not invite them to church? Why not invite them, you know, to the Christmas party? Why not? You have something they need. You have the hope of the world. 
we have an opportunity and we have a responsibility to offer it to the people that are around us. Some of you know my husband's story. I don't have time to go into all of it, but he, the shorter version is that he was adopted from South America when he was 12. And um, he, we had spent a lot of years with no contact with his biological family and very minimal contact with his adopted family. They're all down in Argentina. So in 2018, um, Juan and I got a, a chance to travel back to Cordoba, Argentina, where he is from. And um, it was our mission going in to this trip that we would find and surprise all of his biological siblings. There's like seven of them. So this was no like easy task. <laughs> they were kind of everywhere. Um, but we made it our mission. We were also going to spend some time with his adopted family and um, make some amends there. And so after a few days there on the ground, we found several of his family members, lots of nieces and nephews that we didn't even know existed. And um, one of the days we decided to surprise one of his sisters. And her name is Maria. And we drove up and we surprised her and her husband and her four kids. And upon driving up, it was very evident that they were no strangers and are no strangers to poverty and to really um, not having much, which was heartbreaking in and of itself, right? But we spent time with them and she just cried and cried and cried and she was much more emotional um, <clears throat> than a few of his other sisters were. And so I, you know, hey, everybody handles things differently. It's been 25 years since you've seen your brother. I, you know, I don't know what that's like. So um, she just cried and cried. And after we left, we're on our way back to the hotel and my husband told me, yeah, um, I think she's like three years older than him. So they're the, like the closest in age at that time. And he said, yeah, she was actually supposed to be adopted too. She was supposed to come with us to the United States. And so I thought to myself, oh my goodness, like this woman, she was supposed to have the same experience my husband had, you know, of finding a family, of healing that needed to come of all those things, and my husband told me later, when they hugged, when they saw each other, he whispered to her, what could have been? What could have been? And I thought, how many times has she said that to herself? What could have been if I just said yes? What could have been if I took my opportunity the same way my brother did? And I don't know about you, but if we're talking about the Christmas season, we're talking about our walk with, with Jesus, I don't want to have what could have been moments. I don't want to live my life saying what could have been. I want to take and seize every opportunity that God puts in my way. I don't want to let one go by that I've missed. I'm sure I've missed plenty. But I want to live with an intentionality to take what I know is in front of me, to make space for the things I should make space for and put aside the things I need to put aside. Yeah, I just want to take every opportunity he gives me this morning. And that's my heart. That's my prayer for you guys is that this Christmas season, we wouldn't miss it. We wouldn't say no to the king. We wouldn't allow the craziness of the season to, um, to lead us. That we would be led by his spirit. We'd be led by his voice. And we would look for the one. Even when they're harder to see, we'd look for the one. I'm going to ask you to all stand. I'd like to pray for you guys this morning as we close. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you give us opportunity after opportunity 
to meet the needs of the people around us, God, and that you're always speaking. Father, I just pray over these people here today and those online, God, that you would help us to seize our moments this Christmas season, that we wouldn't miss you and wouldn't miss the things that you're doing because we're distracted or we just don't have space. Father, show us how to make space. Show us how to be your hands and feet in this season even more than ever. Father, I just release a hope over these people this morning, God, that they would carry that hope into every situation that they encounter, Lord, in this season, that you would bless them, Lord, that you would bless this house and bless the rest of this day in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.